Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. May this class be for Rafu Shalema, for Devorah Bat Hanalea, Kiryat Bat Sarah, Mayor Chaim Ben Devorah, and also for Yosef Simcha Chaim Ben Sarah Hana. I am so honored to have on today's show Rebbitzin Debbie Greenblatt. Rebison Debbie has been a popular lecturer, columnist, and a coach on a wide range of topics, including Jewish text, Jewish thought, and relationships. She is also the founder of the Women's Division of the Gateway's Kiruv organization. Rebison Debbie gives regular classes in the New York metropolitan area and has been invited to lecture in many cities across the country. For over 30 years, her weekly class in the works of Rabbi Dessler has served as an anchor in her own life and has changed the lives of many of those who have attended. She is is an insightful and powerful speaker who touches the minds and hearts of those who come into contact with her. Um, Rebison Debbie is the, also the educational director of the mentorship cr- program through CORE. CORE is a fascinating organization that is building the Jewish people by strengthening and supporting Jewish women. Their mentorship programs takes women from nine countries who are actively engaged with the Jewish community and gives them two years of education, inspiration, and skills to be more effective at what they are doing within their community. CORE kindles the lights of those who light the lights of others, which I think is so, so beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Well, so that was a whole mouthful right there. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you. And um, to anyone that's listening, thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I think everything that um, I am doing and have been doing stems stemmed originally from my own quest to find MS, to find truth. I mean, I have, I had wonderful parents, you know, may they rest in peace, who gave me a good Jewish education, but I, I still felt like that there was more. And so Hashem, God was very good to me, put good teachers and good sources in front of me. And then people just asked me to share. And then as a result of the kind of teaching I was doing, a lot of Jewish thought, a lot about relationships. So people just started, you know, coming to my door, asking for help. And that's how the coaching was born. And since then, I've done a whole bunch of writing. I just finished a book on marriage. Actually, it's not out yet, but hopefully exciting will be out soon. So that's a very important topic of mine. And another important topic of mine is what we call Midos development. So Midos are the character traits that we build on uh, a little bit like, you know, if you want to be able to do things in the world, first you have to have a healthy body and that allows you to go out and exercise, go to work, do whatever it is you want to do in the world. But if you're not feeling well or your body's not healthy that you know you're sort of cut off before you even start so midos which literally translate a mida which is the singular really translates as a measurement and it's we look at it as being the true measurement of how well you're doing in the world spiritually and uh one person I heard this from Rabbi Kellerman. He said, and I love this definition. He says, Midos are what train our body to be in service of our soul. Wow. Okay. So like, if you think about that, like think about a person who gets very angry, they have a physiological response, right? Their face gets red. They clench their face this, you could almost see the fire coming out. And you see that the place almost where Mido's character traits reside, it's it's almost in the body. Of course, it's connected to the soul, but it's the expression of how the soul is doing in the physical world. Right. So as a result of that, um, I, I started learning different Midos with groups of women. We had Midos Vaden, which are groups of women, a Vad is a group, who get together. We commit for a year at a time to study a particular Mida. So what I want to share with you today is some things I learned about 
the midah of ayin tova, which is having a good eye. Yes. So if you'd like, I'll just go right into that or, you um, know. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the ability to develop, to develop a positive outlook or a good eye and eye and tove is, is amazing. It's a very, you know what, it, it changes your outlook on life, not only on the situations and the circumstances of life, but also on the people that you come in contact with, which is crucial when you're working on developing relationships. And, um, you know, learning to judge people fa favorably and look at situations and life circumstances in a positive way is completely, completely transformational and life-changing. So, yes, if you can please explain to us what exactly an Ayantov really is and what it's all about. Okay, so I'd like to start from something we are more familiar with, which is an Ayantara, Ayantara, right? Yes. Which literally translates as a bad or evil eye. And, you know, if you hang out with religious people, you know that at the end of many sentences, they say, oh, bli and her, let, you know, keep the evil eye far away from me. Yeah. And then people have all kinds of things they do. They wear like a little red string. Or they put up things in their house or on their doors to ward off the evil eye. So I'd like to take that as sort of like a jumping off point to talk about the opposite. So what is an Ayanhara? Is it a real thing? So that's actually a very big debate in the sources, but I'll, I'll bring you one source that I'm familiar with. And that is a letter that Rabbi Dessler wrote to his father. His father was a big Torah scholar. He was a big Torah scholar, thinker, philosopher. And he said, you know, what's the justification of an ayin hara. An ayin hara seems to be that somehow by doing something, a person calls attention to themselves in the heavenly sphere. And then they're sort of not put on trial, but they're held up to the light to see, well, this person has all this good stuff. Like, do they really deserve all that good stuff? So Rabbi Dessler said, like, what kind of, what kind of justice is there in a system that could potentially punish a person because of the jealousy of somebody else? Right. And his father answers him that what an ayanhara is, is that if a person is careless or worse than careless, they flaunt something that they have that perhaps someone else really needs or feels that they need and doesn't have. So then that goes up to the heavens as a cry of pain. And every cry of pain is heard in the heavens. Wow. Okay. So when we say, Lee, I and her, you know, keep the evil eye far away. It's actually our own prayer that if we inadvertently cause someone harm or cause someone pain, please take this as a prayer that it shouldn't bring harm to me which really sort of casts it in a different light. And the last thing I just want to say about that before we go into the opposite is that really the best protection from that is not a little red string around your arm or anything else, wrap it around your whole house. It's not much, it's not going to help too much. The best protection really is just to be modest and modest in your demeanor and modest about if you have blessings in your life, and everybody does modest about showing them off. So as to, you know, not activate, you know, people, people's jealousy. So that's really, that's really powerful. Like, I just want to stop for a second because that what you said is so powerful because you're right. We all have something that somebody else wants and it doesn't necessarily have to be a diamond bracelet or a big house or a fancy car or pretty clothes. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could very well be, and I'm being very honest, like a, you know, like a good marriage or like well-behaved children. You know, it could be something like that. It's not monetary or financial at all. And people look at that and they can be jealous, not not meaning to cause us any harm, but just they want something that we have. You know, it's just it's human right. nature, you right. know, and I love what you said about being modest. We don't necessarily have to flaunt everything that we have. It's the public. We have to thank God for it. We have to be grateful for it. But not everybody has to know about every single blessing that we have. So. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, that's right. Uh, and also, you know, the people who like, you know, insist on telling you about like every accomplishment that yes. 
their child has. Yes. It's also not so enjoyable <laughs> to right? be on the receiving, receiving end of that. But let's talk about an Ayantova and what it is. Yes. So an Ayantova is a, a, a good eye. So we have really good sources for this in the Mishnah and the Mishnah of Perkei Avot, of Ethics of the Fathers, where Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai asks his five primary students, like, what's a good path to live by? And one of them, Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkanas, answers, an Ayantova having a good eye. And then in a different chapter of Ethics of the Fathers, there's yet another source where the Mishnah juxtaposes and he says, the Mishnah says, who are the students of Abraham? And who are the students of Bilam? Bilam was this prophet of the non-Jews who hated the Jews and was hired by a non-Jewish king to curse the Jews. And the and it brings three, the Mishnah brings three mitos, three character traits, that if you have these character traits, you are the student of Abraham. And one of them is an ayin tova. And the opposite is that if you have an ayin ra'ah, then you're the student of Bilam. So what is it exactly? So an ayin tova means that you have a desire to see the good in everybody, your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your mother-in-law, everybody, <laughs> everybody. And Rashi explains actually that when you train yourself to want to see the good characteristics of other people, that this brings you to the second part of having an Ayantova. It's not just about seeing the good. It's also about wanting good then for those people. Because once you see good, that brings you to want good. And it becomes almost like a way of life. Now, if you grew up in a house where this was modeled for you, then you are a very fortunate person and it will come more naturally to you. But if you didn't grow up in a house that modeled that for you, that whenever anything happened, your parents said, oh, but look, you know, she, yes, she gave away something she shouldn't have, but she's such a generous person, like to just pick the good out of the pot, so to speak. If you didn't have that, then you have to work on it. And here, I just want to say something that I think it's important for everyone to know. And that is that good midos, which is form the basis of so much in our lives, happiness, good relationships, the ability to develop our spirituality, so much are really, it's really a very simple formula. And the formula is, I need to learn about it. First, I need to learn about it. Why? Because before I learned about it, so I saw some people have an Ayantova, some people don't. But once I learned about it, I found out why it's so important to have it. And that made me want to have it more. So the learning is to inform us the importance and to figure out what it is and what does it look like. And then the second part is really simple. Practice. Get the skills. Midos is not something like, it's not voodoo. It's very practical. I need to learn what it is, figure out what that means for me, and then just practice it. And I can tell you that in my own life, it's something that I work on. It's something that I practice. And it is something that I personally have found very transformational in certain relationships that were previously challenging, um, challenging for me. And I want to, I, I, I'll come back to that about like some very practical tips of how to get there. But I, if I want to highlight um, a pattern that many of us have, and, you know, I speak only about myself and everyone else to listen. So 
we know, like even socially, societally, that negativity is, you know, is not so cool. Right. And as they say, you know, the problem with negativity is that it's negative. (laughs) Okay. So, but so sometimes we have this urge to say something that's not so positive, but we like a little bit couch it and then it, it, we couch the negative and the positive and it looks like this. I call it the yes, but syndrome. So it, it goes like this. Um, someone says, oh, you know, she's such a good teacher. And the rejoinder is yes, but she doesn't give her tests back on time. Right. Or, you know, your daughter, you know, she's a teenager, but she's, she's so lovely. Yes, but you have no idea how many hours she spends in front of the mirror. In other words, you take the positive and then somehow we're uncomfortable with that for some reason. We don't, you know, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, we're a little bit uncomfortable. So we try and minimize the positive by attaching something of a negative to it. And really spiritually, this is not such a good thing because our souls are drawn to positivity. Yes. Our bodies are drawn to negativity. True. So if we want to turn up the volume on the voice of our souls, we want to turn down the volume of the voice of our bodies, which doesn't mean we don't pay attention to them. They're extremely important. We need them, right? But say something like this, like it's just a pattern that we get into, you know, even whether you're saying something, you know, uh, um, I'm so appreciative of the house that I live in. I, I, I'm so appreciative that Hashem gave me a house to live in. But I really can't handle the the, the utility bills. Right. Why do you need the butt for? You don't really need it. <laughs> <laughs> it just diminishes the positivity. And there really isn't a reason to diminish the positivity. What you're really hearing is, you know, when you're thankful, you have gratitude, you know, for something in your life and you're expressing that gratitude, that's the voice of the soul speaking. But the voice of the body doesn't want to be left out. So it quickly jumps in and says, yes, you think that's so good, but you know what? It comes with big utility bills. Right. And so we want to just hear our own voice and hear when we, even when we want to have an Ayantova, somehow it gets diminished by that negativity that we some of us carry with us. It's so interesting because I now looking back, now that you really mention it and like you pronounce it, you know, and really spell it out for, for us. I'm looking back and sometimes I do it too. You know, I'm guilty of it too. You know, yeah, that's amazing that she got this and that, but, you know, or it's amazing that I have this and that, but, you know, and there's always a, but there doesn't, you're right. Just leave it, just make a period at the positive and you that's don't need to go on to the negative. Right. Yes. You know, it's yes, period, not yes, yes comma, but. Exactly. Yes. Right? Very good right. point. So we have to mind our butts, yes. so to speak. <laughs> okay. And I want to say something else that I learned in learning about this meet of Ayantova, which really struck me personally very deeply. And that is that, you know, um, we think when we see something like that, our sight is a very objective sense. Like I see what I see. I I know what I see. You don't have to tell me what I see, but really our sight is the least objective of our senses because we choose what we see. In other words, like take, um, you know, any situation and take a snapshot. It's a, you know, it's a frame. Okay. It's a screen. Yes. Now, on in that situation, there's lots of things. I choose not what I see, well, a little bit what I see, but I also choose what I absorb. So in other words, like, am I, 
so I see something that's mostly good and a little not so good. So what am I taking in? What am I absorbing? What is going to stay with me? So some people, their eye always goes to the negative, no matter how positive something is. They could have just had the great honor and merit and privilege of, say, marrying off a child. And they'll come home and not allow themselves to really enjoy what just happened. They'll say, the florist, she promised me blue flowers and they weren't blue, they were purple and I didn't want purple, I wanted blue, right? Right. So you could take a really amazing life experience and you could totally remove the joy and the satisfaction and the euphoria even of a particular event by allowing your eye to go to that one negative on the whole screen. So an ayin tova doesn't refer to the sharpness of our sight, rather it refers to the generosity of our vision. Should I say that again? Please. Okay. Having an ayin tova does not refer to the sharpness of our sight, rather it refers to the generosity of our vision. I love that. And can you go a little bit into depth, like maybe explain it a little bit more deeply, please? Yeah, so sure, I'll try. <laughs> okay, so, you know, some people say to me, you know, Debbie, it's all very nice what you're saying, but I don't want to be a Pollyanna. I don't want to be a person who, you know, is, you know, not seeing reality. I don't want to like live in la-la land thinking, oh, everything's all good and everything's all positive. I want to know what's, I want to know what's real, you know? And yes, of course you want to know what's real, but we want to know it in the right proportion. Right. And that tendency to pick out that which is negative is not because it's more real than the positive. It's not. Usually it's the positive that's more real and more pronounced than the negative. So it's about training ourselves to actually be more real, not less real. Because the reality is that, think about a person. So we're all an amalgam. We're complicated. Yes. We're all an amalgam of so many different things. Right. I'll tell you something I learned, which really fascinated me. You know, God forbid, at a funeral. So you go to a funeral and you hear the people get up there and they say all these amazing things about the person. And you say to yourself, wow, I didn't know that about this person. Wow. Yes. And, you know, at a funeral, actually, you're not supposed to exaggerate a lot, but you're allowed to exaggerate about the person a little. You're not supposed to exaggerate a lot because... Whatever is said about the person, that's the standard that he's held up to in the heaven. You can exaggerate a little because every person is much greater than we really realize. So that beautiful perspective. Yes. And so that perspective of that every person is really so much greater, has so much more good in them than we realize or then that's obvious that that also also has to inform our perspective. It has to inform our generosity of vision when we encounter people, when we encounter situations. And we have to realize that taking picking out the good and absorbing that is really a reality-based activity. We're because there's always more good than bad. And the way that we know that's true, by the way, is because God created the world to give an advantage. Rabbi Dessler says this, give an advantage to truth over falsehood, to good over bad, to reality over illusion, because if not, the world would not be able to exist. So there's always a little bit more good right. than there is bad. 
And so we just want to see it that way. That's all. Right. Exactly. To have a positivity bias instead of a negativity bias. Yes, because the positivity bias is actually more accurate than the negativity bias. Like we pride ourselves in being objective and having insights. But until you take out the negativity, until you get rid of that negativity and work on an Ayantova, you're really not seeing things so accurately. Very true. Very true. Well, so that that brings me to the next question. I mean, now that we understand what an Ayantova is, how can we develop this positive character trait within ourselves? Ah, so, you know, so in our in the work that I do with groups of women in our Midos Vadim. So the reason it's a vibe and not just a class, it's because it women commit to it for a period of time. And also there's homework. <laughs> and the homework is that we practice what we're learning because like I said before, improving your Midos has to do with learning why it's important, learning what it's about, and then putting it into practice. And so the putting into practice, we call that our avoda, our, we work on it. We literally work on it. So for example, one avoda that we had was to pick someone in your life, not the hardest person and not the easiest person, somewhere, some, a person somewhere midstream. And every day for a month, pick out a good or positive characteristic of that person and just tell it to yourself. Okay. Okay. So like do that with one person every day for a month. Now you're going to pick someone that's not you already think is the greatest person in the world and not the person you think is the worst person in the world. It gives you the most grief. You're going to pick someone that's sort of, you know, that synthesis of both, you know, sometimes they cause you a little grief and sometimes they're okay. Yes. And you find that even that practice of like every day, I'm going to think about something good that that person does. You know, that person is the first person to cook a meal for someone who's sick in town. Okay. You know, I have other issues, but like, how often do I think about that? I don't think about that. And the next day I try and think of something else. And you find that by the end of doing this for a month, you have your whole perspective on the person has shifted. And then the second part kicks in. So so the second month, our practice is take that person and now think of something good you would like them to have or something good you would like to, you know, benefit them with or or give them. And you find that your whole perspective on the person becomes like transformed. And then once you do that, it's really building an Ayantova muscle. And then once you do that, you can go on to a person who's a little bit more challenging in your life. And you really can work on developing this Mida developing this skill. Now in the beginning, it's like anything new, right? So I worked over the years with hundreds and hundreds of young women who did not grow up with a Jewish education and then started to embrace observance and whatever. And, you know, if you don't know the laws of kosher, you go into a kitchen and you think, I will never be comfortable in the kitchen again. There's so many laws. Oh, for There's sure. So, oh my goodness. I have to worry about that. The sponges. Yeah. Right. I have to worry about dish towels. Like, oh my, this is too much. And what happens? You practice. And then any person who's kept kosher for any amount of time, it becomes totally second nature to them. Right? right. They don't go into the kitchen and worry about the sponges. It's just not a thing. Right, it's second nature. It's just automatic. It's automatic. So that's what Midos does. When you you practice, you work on it, you understand why it's important and what it is, and then you practice it. After a while, it just becomes um, second nature. You know, I, I want, with your permission, to talk about one 
other aspect of an Ayantova, which is not well understood and to me so powerful. Is that okay? Can yeah, I? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you know that we take in the world through our five senses. Yes. That's how we get input, right? Yes. Okay. And with our eyes, we can see a you know, the first daffodil, daffodil bud in the spring, which is always so beautiful. And in the summer on a very clear night, you know, in the mountains away from any city lights, you could see Saturn and its rings. So with our eyes, we take in the whole universe, the whole world around us. And eyes are so important. And we understand this. What we, what we don't understand as well is that not only do eyes take in, and we know it innately, but we don't really think about it. Not only do eyes take in, but eyes also transmit. So think about this. Like you come home and you look at one of your children. And just from the look in their eyes, you know, that kid had a bad day. Yes. Okay. Or, you know, even a spouse, like, the look in their eyes tells you, oh, something's bothering him. Yes. Right? Yes. So our eyes are not only taking in, they're also giving out. They're also transmitting. But they're a I, very good perspective. I never, you're right, 100%, right? I never thought of it but that way, but it's true. It's true because we, we know this from our experience, yes. right? Yes. You look into somebody's eyes and first of all, you see into them. But you also see, let's call it messages or emotions that they are, you know, transmitting. Um, yes. But an Ayantova takes it even further. An Ayantova says like this, you know, just like the bad eye comes from, you know, someone looking at something that they end up being jealous of. So the good eye um, and this comes from the Maharal of Prague in his book on Midos, which is called Nisivos Olam. He says that, that the eye transmits either positive or negative influence. So in other words, the Maharal is saying that, you know, <laughs> talk about being an influencer, if I could use the term, right? Yes. <laughs> right? Just with your eyes. Yes, you are an influencer. When you have a good eye on someone, when you have an ayantova on somebody, you are giving them benefit. And I'll give you an example. Can I give you an example of that, please? Yes. yes. From the okay. So there's just okay. I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with this. Some might not be. So I'll just very quickly give the context. The Jews leave Egypt, they cross the Reed Sea, they're now in the desert, and they are attacked by the Jewish nemesis who is called Amalek. Yes. Okay, and there's a war, unprovoked. Moses, Moshe, goes up on a mountain and he lifts his arms. And when his arms are lifted, the people are winning, okay? And he has two people, Aaron and Hur, on either side, sort of holding up his arms. So the commentary is just, Gus, why did he go up on the mountain? What did he need to be up on the mountain for? So some say, well, you know, he wanted the people to look up. And when they look up, they'll also look past him to the heavens and remember to pray. Okay, great. But listen to this. Okay. okay. Nachmanides, the Ramban, says that he wanted them to be able to, he wanted to be able to see them. That's why he went on the mountain, so that he could put his good eye on them. And with that good eye, they will win the war. How powerful. Wow, how absolutely powerful. 
you know, because it was so I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was going to ask you what effect having an iron an iron tove has on us. But here's, a, you know, an example of, of Moshe, of Moses looking with his iron tove on us, on the Jewish people and helping them win the war, a very difficult war. Listen, battle is never easy, but he's helping them, you know, win with an iron tove. It's so powerful. It's unbelievable. And I, I'll tell you sort of like the, the flip side of that, right? The flip side of that. So he puts his good eye on them. Yes. So we mentioned before Bilam. Bilam is the non-Jewish prophet who is hired to curse the Jews. And he's called, he's called in the Torah, he's called Bilam Shesum Ha'ayim. So what Shesum Ha'ayim means is debatable, but it basically means that he has the use of only one eye. He was either missing an eye or there was some problem with one eye. So he saw with one eye. So what happens when you see with only one eye? What do you lose when you see with on one eye? You lose depth perception. Right. Yes. You lose depth, right? Yeah. If you see with on one eye, you lose some depth perception. And uh, the commentaries take this to mean that that was his problem. He couldn't see past the surface of something. He couldn't see the depth of something. And for us to develop good midos, for us to have an ayin tova, we always, for us to be authentic Jews, for us to understand what the world is about, we always want to and need to be able to see past, the, beneath the surface. Because the truth is always underneath. The truth is always hidden. God hides himself in the world and begs us to find him. And, and the good also needs to be revealed. It needs to be uncovered. So this, you know, this negativity that is on the surface always needs greater depth. You know, we always need to go deeper to find, to find the to find the good that's in a person or anything. But, but this transmission of good, you know, the Talmud says that if a person doesn't have a good eye, you shouldn't let him lead the grace after meals because he's not going to put a good eye on the food. It's like this idea of transmitting that we, you know, we're now learning, you know, the 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 parashas, the portions of the week about our forefathers and Abraham, you know, the thing about Abraham is that God says to him, you should be the Hey Abraham, you should be a blessing. You're going to be that person that you're going to be a blessing onto everybody, right? And that's a little bit part of our mandate as Jewish people to, to be a blessing. And here is such a real way to be a blessing. I can be a blessing to you just by putting my good eye on you, just by thinking good things about you, just by wanting good for you, wanting you to have a good outcome in your life and something that you're struggling with, wanting you to have something that you need and you don't have right now. Wanting that, seeing the good and wanting the good allows me to be that blessing in your life. It's just... Such it, a thing. It is. It is really, really incredible because it's so it's so beyond the surface. Like this Mita, this character trait of Ayan Tova is so beyond the surface, like you said. You know, it's more than just looking with your eyes, it's more than just wow, she's wearing a pretty dress. Wow, um, she's such an incredible person, so generous, so wonderful, so kind and caring. It's more, it's like it's looking deeper. It's almost like looking into a person's soul and yeah. seeing what's really there and uncovering it, like you said. And the more that we bring out, the more that we bring out of another person, the more positivity that we bring out of another person, the more their light can shine in the world, the better it is for everybody. It, it is so true. It, it is so true. Exactly what you're saying. And, you know, we started out by saying that, you know, to have an Ayin Tova, like, you have to take jealousy out of your heart, but yes. like that's an easy thing to say and not as easy a thing to do. A hundred percent struggles yeah. with jealousy. That's a very, very hard struggle. Yes. That's a very hard struggle. And, you know, something that I learned with regards to that is that, and it, it also sort of comes back to the Ayantova is that, you know, when our values are material, then I'm much more, 
I'm going to be much more prone to jealousy because if I want to buy a house and you want to buy a house and we want to buy the same house and you get it and I don't, mm-hmm. right? Yep. In um, anything, house, job, son-in-law, I mean, like whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is. But if your values are more spiritual, then jealousy has no place because like, I'll give you an example. Like if I value kindness and you are very kind, it doesn't take it. It doesn't take anything away from me. It only adds to me. If I value sincerity and you're very sincere, I can learn from your sincerity and I can become more sincere. So when you're, when your values are spiritual, there's just much less to be jealous about. I love that. I love it. I mean, you, you, I mean, it's, it simplifies really the whole thing, right? Exactly. It's much harder to be jealous if your values are material. I'm going to be very honest. It's yeah, because you have a car, but I can't afford that car. Or you have this beautiful piece of jewelry and that's just, I can't pay $10,000 for that. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, but how much does it cost to, extend an invitation to somebody to come to your house for Shabbos? How much does it cost if you're in the grocery store to call up a friend who's not feeling so well and say, what can I buy for you? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a different value system. And honestly, it's more of, it's a more of a valuable, you know, value system. You know, this is, this is what we want to be cultivating in ourselves. We don't want to be cultivating more materialism in ourselves. Like we, the world doesn't need that right now. We need to be cultivating more character traits, more eye and toe, more, more good meters within ourselves so we can share that with others. I think it's a very good point that you made. Thank you. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, and, and also just in terms of personal happiness. Yes. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's no comparison, you know, there's no comparison. If, if your values are material, then you're always missing something. Something, so, something. There's always something that you don't have. Something, maybe you, you don't have the latest model of it. You know, there's always going to be something, you know, something higher than what you already have. It, it, there's no end. Nope. There's, there's, just, there's just no end. And therefore, a person feels in a constant state of lack, of, of yes. not having. Yes. And happiness actually comes from a sense of having. Yes. And so that's the other thing that when we, if, if a person is prone to jeal- jealousy, like one thing that they can do about that, besides sort of taking accounting of where their values really lie, is they can, you know, practice thinking about what they do have. Because right. only from that sense of having can happiness arise. You know, happiness comes from, two things from a sense of having and from our connections from making relationships those are the two things that are the it's a different topic <laughs> maybe another time but okay anyway but yeah so in I am Tova and and it has so much effect on our own personal happiness you know yeah. when you are walking around with a bad feeling about somebody it affects you that's right they're, they're you know taking up space in your head and not paying rent as they say <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it was just, I love that you brought that up because I think it's the most underrated thing that people don't understand. You know, there, there's somebody who has like whatever it is that they have, you know, and you're walking around with that negative, I hate this person, I hate that person. They, they don't necessarily know that you're thinking about them. They're just doing, they're going to work, they're, they're being with the kids, they're cooking, they're taking care of the house, whatever it is that they're doing. And you are the one with that negativity in you and it's poisoning you. Nothing to do with them. It's, it's on you. It's crazy. Percent. And, and, and it spills over into how people relate to you. You know, yes. you know, when, when you're that person who's always in that turmoil and, you know, yeah. roiling inside, like you're just not really pleasant to be with either. So it affects people's desire even to be with you and relate to you. So like yep. the overflow from Anayantova and from any good Mida is, is exactly that. It's, it's, it's personal happiness and much better relationships and really a platform for all spiritual growth. That's really what good Midas are. They are the platform. You know, it's like, you know, I once heard somebody say this, um, it was an Israeli, so it doesn't translate perfectly well, but 
And then if I can, I have one amazing Ayantova story that's a real true story that will blow your mind. But I once heard someone say this, it was an Israeli person, like I said, so it doesn't translate perfectly that a man in Israel applied, a religious man applied to the Department of Education for the uh, a position in the Department of Education. And so he had to go through a lot of psychological testing and a whole battery of interviews. Finally, he was on one of the last interviews and the interviewer said to him, so tell me something that you hope to accomplish in your life. And the interviewee said, I hope to improve my midot, you know, the Israeli pronunciation. So now to a secular Israeli who is the interviewer, midot means measurements. So the, the interviewer says to him, you want to improve your midot? Why? You're not too fat. You're not too skinny. <laughs> Why do you want to improve your midot? And the person being interviewed said, no, 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 you misunderstood me. Not those midot. I mean, our character, those midot. And the secular Israeli said to him, I'm so sorry for you. That's not something that we can change. And that is exactly what we don't believe. <laughs> we believe that we are here not just to be, we're here to become. For sure. And as long as we're breathing, as long as we're conscious, we can still be improving our midot. 100%. And, and then this story came to me, just Hashem was good to me and sent me this story. And I, this is an absolutely true story that can be verified. Okay, so there's um, a rabbi, and because he's the one that said the story, I want to say his name. He, his name is Rabbi Shmuel Eliyahu. He was at one time the chief rabbi of Tzfat. I don't know if he still is. But um, in 2019, the remains of a soldier named Zachary Baumel, um, who was um, killed during the Lebanon war in 1982 were returned to Israel. His remains were returned to Israel after 37 years for proper burial in Israel. And after the funeral, which Bibi Netanyahu attended, Zachary Baumel's sister went over to Bibi Netanyahu and said to him, I want to tell you something. It's been a lot of years and our family has had no, sorry, just getting tissue. Uh, our family has had no peace. And every year our family would get together and we would just be so sad. But we had complaints. We felt the government of Israel doesn't care. The government of Israel is not doing enough. And you know what? We had complaints on you, Bibi, that wow. you didn't care and wow. you weren't doing enough. So his sister relates to Bibi Netanyahu. Last year, we got together like we always do. And we were going through this whole litany of complaints and one person in our family said, you know what? Maybe we're just going about this the wrong way. Maybe we have to have an ayin tova on the government. Wow. And we have to see that, you know what? Bibi Netanyahu has a country to run. And For there sure. are also other important things. And I'm sure he cares, but, and we decided we adopted as a family to have an ayin tova on the government, wow. to have an ayin tova on Bibi Netanyahu. Oh my gosh. Wait till you hear the rest of the story. <laughs> Bibi Netanyahu says to her, that's exactly what happened. And she says to him, what do you mean? And he responds, well, a while back, Israeli intelligence uncovered some information which we then gave to Putin, which thwarted a terrorist attack on Russian soil. And the way politics are played, so I did you a favor, 
So you owe me a favor. Right. So I had a meeting, Netanyahu said, with my cabinet to decide what favor are we going to ask Putin? And we came up with 50 important items and we sat for hours and we whittled them down to 30, 20, 10, five. And finally, three important things that I could possibly ask Putin for. I wrote them on a piece of paper. I put the paper in my pocket because I had no idea when I would speak to Putin. Well, it happened. The phone rang. Putin on the line. And I took out my piece of paper. And I couldn't read what was on the paper. All of a sudden, the name Zachary Baumel came into my head. And I said to Putin, I want to ask you a favor. There's a young, there was a young man, Zachary Baumel, who 37 years ago, died in our war with Lebanon. We never got his remains back. We want it back. So there was silence on the other end of the line and Putin said, you're kidding. <laughs> he said, you have an opportunity to ask me for anything and this is what you're asking me for. And Netanyahu said, I said to myself, my cabinet is gonna kill me. <laughs> this is what I'm asking for. But it was all I could think of. And I said, yes, that's what I'm asking for. And he said, why? It's one soldier 37 years ago. Why do you care? And he said, that's the way Jews are. We care about every Jewish person. We care about every Jewish soldier. And it's very important for us to bring every Jewish person to Kever Yisrael to a proper Jew Jewish burial. So Putin was quiet and he said, I can't say I understand it, but if that's what you want, okay, I'll arrange it, but this one's on me. Tell me something else that you want. Wow. So that story to me was just like what an Ayantova can accomplish. Oh my gosh. We just have no idea. That's such a powerful story. <laughs> and that's the fact, the fact that it's actually true, the fact that it actually happened makes it even more so, you know, it's not just a parable. It's really, really, you know, it's a truth. You know what it is, though, because everything is energy, right? So an eye and toe is also energy. The yeah. way, yes, the way that we're looking through our eyes, right? Eye and his eyes, the way we're looking through our eyes. So what are we looking with our eyes? We're transmitting our inner energy, our soul energy through our eyes. And we're almost willing it to happen through our eyes, through that, you know, it's our whole entire being that we want good for this person, that we want the situation to be good. And this energy, this, we can't see it. It's very hard to describe, but this spiritual energy, this positive energy makes things happen and it works. Unbelievable. That is exactly right. That is exactly the truth. Awesome. Awesome. You got awesome. It. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Rebison Debbie, for joining us on America's Top Rebison Zoo. It's really, truly a pleasure to have you with us. And may this class be for Fuwa Shalema, for Devorah Barhanalea, Kiryat Batsara, Meir Haim Ben Devorah, and Yosef Simcha Haim Ben Sarah Hana. Thank you so much again. My pleasure. Be well. Thank you.